0: Welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk On PFF College Football Show. I'm your host Max Chadwick with a new and improved co-host today in Trevor Sycamore. So, Trev, I know you're filling in for the PFF NFL Pod because Sam Monson is sick. Well, Dolan Wasman does not have that same excuse. He's actually in New Orleans celebrating Mardi Gras right now, probably making Hangover Part Four. Honestly, so uh, doesn't have quite the excuse that Sam Monson does, man. But I appreciate you taking the time out
1: and uh, joining me today, man. That's a way better excuse by the way like okay like having covid being in new orleans maybe getting covid i don't know just probably everywhere but if there's a place to get it i guess it'd be new orleans no but dude it's uh it's it's great to be with you uh i had to give a shout out to you this is one of the best college football podcast names in the business i don't think i've told you that before but every time i see like prefer well, preferred Walk on's a sick podcast name. Every time I see the link and everything. So you did good with that one. So I appreciate you having me on the show, man. I, I hate to
0: break the news to you. I think we're in the process of changing it to PF's college football show.
1: Oh man. Now it makes sense, you know, company brand, you gotta be able to do yep. it, but
0: man. I know they told me that and I, I was like okay I, I'm happy we're being branded like that but at the same time I was like man I prefer to walk on was an elite name so you I might be one of the last la- you man. might be one of the last episodes Eli sent me some of the graphics earlier for the new name you might this might be one of the last episodes under PWO man so so we're all right so it's vintage it's yeah cool. it's vintage I'm good, I'm good exactly with, I'm good
1: with it we can we can stick with the vintage look I can always look back on this fondly and uh <laughs> so no that'll be that'll be all right then if I'm one of the last
0: ones. so Trev you're PFS lead draft analyst you've been doing this for a long time man so what I wanted to do and kind of frame this as a draft video, the, the term generational gets thrown around in the NFL draft way too loosely. And there's very few guys ever that has actually applied to it because generations are like 20 to 30 years. And we're using this for like every three years uh, for these guys. So I wanted to go over every position, look at your top player at every position in this year's draft and go over how generational they are. They are and maybe look at when the last time another prospect at that position was better ...than this year's top guy. So I'm I'm excited to get into this with you, man. And I think we're going to have a fun conversation with the first one, which is quarterback. You have Caleb Williams at number one, the USC quarterback. Not a very hot take there. Um, Looking at your past top quarterbacks... Bryce Young, number one overall in 2023. Desmond Ritter, number 43 overall in 2022. And that vaunted uh, 2022 quarterback class. Caleb Williams, how, how generational is he? Like, what, what are we talking about here? Is it Trevor Lawrence that we got to go back to? Is it Joe Burrow? Or even go back to Andrew Luck, John Elway? Like, what are we talking about here for Caleb Williams? Yeah,
1: so for Caleb, I think he's talented enough where this exercise should have been a lot further back for him. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, you go back to... it. It's hard to say that he'd be more generational than Trevor Lawrence was in 2021 right because this is that was somebody who from his freshman year at Clemson we knew that he was going to be a number one overall pick someday and we kind of touted him as the you know the the the, the next great quarterback in the NFL before he even got to his sophomore year of college and so, when I when I think about Lawrence, especially, I mean, you got to think about this. We're talking pre-draft valuation, mm-hmm. so Lawrence has still been a little bit more of a slow burn than some of us thought it was going to be. Although it does make sense looking at the offense that he played in at Clemson. So I think th- the answer to the question, if we're going to stay true to it, is he's the best quarterback prospect since Trevor Lawrence. Okay. But you go a little bit further here. We can go a little bit further because I got I got the, uh, the the draft history up right now. Joe Burrow, twenty twenty two. Obviously, Burrow was phenomenal as well. He was kind of an interesting story because he was not really seen as a first-rounder, number one overall pick on a quarterback until that last season when he right. absolutely was. So I think Burrow, as a final scouting report, probably higher than Williams, but probably just a little bit. So you got those two guys there. But I, I would have taken Caleb over Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have taken Caleb over Baker Mayfield. I'd have taken Caleb over Mitchell Trubisky, over Jared Goff. <laughs> Uh, probably over Jameis Winston, mm-hmm. over Blake Bortles, over EJ Manuel, certainly, and then you get to Andrew Luck at twenty twenty or uh, at, at twenty twelve. So, I think we're really just looking at Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, and then outside of that, you got to go, you know, twelve years. You got to go twelve years in the past and get all the way down to Andrew Luck, so that'd be my answer to that one.
0: Okay, so that's that's pretty good, man. Honestly, I got Caleb. I think is close with Burrow. I agree with you. I think Lawrence was a better prospect. Um, and then you look back, man. Andrew Luck. I that was like the first year I've ever remembered the NFL draft. Honestly, the Andrew Luck year and I, I, Andrew Luck. I remember it being
1: talked about like crazy high as like so like he was the, like he was the most sure thing of sure thing. And Andrew right. Luck was awesome at the yeah. NFL level. It was simply just injuries that kind of ruined what I think. Could have been a hall of fame long career for him honestly
0: okay so caleb williams the answer is best since trevor lawrence but honestly i mean you look back at past classes it's probably trevor luck, and, and maybe, like you said, there's only a couple other guys that even are in a contention with Caleb Williams, so that's pretty good for him. Uh Running back. This is a pretty weak running back class, man. Right now, Jonathan Brooks from Texas is your number one back. He's number 50 overall. Funnily yeah. enough, your last two number one RB1s were both from Texas. Bijan Robinson, you had number two overall, Brees Hall the year before, so Big 12 dominating your running back one rankings, uh 38 overall in 2022. Um Obviously, Bijan John Robinson is going to be your answer here, but do you think this is one of the weaker RB1s and maybe even weaker running back classes that we've had uh in recent memory
1: yeah and I think that that I think the times of where we're at go into that a little bit like I try to think if we only go back a couple of years like I'm I'm looking at this this 2021 draft right right it's Javante Williams it's Travis Etienne Najee Harris ended up being RB1 that year at number 24 overall you know I I don't know Those guys had longer careers in college than Jonathan Brooks did. But, like, Brooks probably would have been up there around where Javante Williams would have been picked. So this year, if he was fully healthy, I should say. Because the problem is that he's coming off an ACL tear. And then what are you going to do with a running back who's coming off of an ACL tear? You're probably not going to draft him anywhere within the top 50. So that clouds that a little bit. But it is one of the weaker years. You know, when I talk about when the first running back could come off the board... I go back to God. Which year was the Bishop Sankey draft? That was twenty fourteen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Sankey comes off the board. Those were RB- Bucks, right? Did they take or the, the Titans took him? No, Titans took right, him. Right, took, right, right. The uh, Bucks took Charles Sims in that draft. So he that was also that was what I was not good. Of, yep. Um, but <laughs> fifty four was when the first running back came off the board, and that's the last time that RB one has come off the board outside of the top fifty. Mm-hmm. Feels like we could have that again. But I do, I do think it's a little bit unfair because it, it, people go, oh, you know, I don't have a running back ranked in the top fifty, top sixty-five. Some people are going to tell you top seventy-five. If Brooks was fully healthy, if he plays out this whole year, Brooks is a top fifty pick to me. So if if he recovers and if recovery is going out well, we've seen backs get back from ACL injuries before. I could see a team. Around the top fifty, still taking this guy. I think he is that talented to do so, but the injury makes it feel like yeah, the RB run is gonna start a lot later this year than it has in years past.
0: Dude, all right, I want to ask you this question too. This is not this year's draft, but who do you think is a better prospect, Bijan or Saquon Barkley?
1: Oh man. Um don't break
0: my heart as a Penn State fan here, Trevor. I think the answer is honestly Bijan, though,
1: if I had to be honest. I, I think the answer is Bijan simply because of the footwork. Yeah, dude. Like the dude's feet are just so lightning quick, and vision is the most important trait for me when it comes to a running back. That, and like I've said on Twitter, running extremely pissed off every time you touch the football. Mm-hmm. But Bijan's feet were just, they're so light, they're so crisp. I think I would have gone Bijan over Saquon. All right. As much as he was unbelievable coming out of Penn State. Because you got to, every time we have these conversations like this, I try to put myself back in the shoes of like, okay, don't judge what he has been with the Giants. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't, don't judge, okay, he wasn't worth being taken in the top three. Like, yeah. Judge what he was coming out of Penn State. And he was seen as a generational kind of player, but. I think I would actually take Bijan,
0: dude. If Bijan was was stupid good, and, and just to kind of preview the 2025 draft, Trevor, I think it's going to be one of the strongest running back classes I can remember. Man, it is stupid. You know,
1: you know more than me. I'm I'm like I'm only tunnel vision into <laughs> <laughs> the 2024 class, but I see I've I've seen that you've already done kind of like the legwork and and getting guys up for. Uh, for the rankings about next year so you this running back class is legit
0: dude it's so i looked up the stat so obviously rushing yards does not you know tell the whole story but of the 15 leading fbs rushers from this past season 12 of them are coming back to school yeah dude it's it is and that's not even accounting for like five of the players in my top 10 list so do you, do you have a favorite who's your favorite ollie gordon the dog oh the oklahoma state Dude, he's good quinshawn judkins is pretty nasty too I mean, yeah, dude, Queen Johnson. Would, would Tra- but, Tra- but, okay Trayvon Tra- 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 Henderson? Would he be like RB two for you in this draft? And he like he's coming back to school too.
1: I was lower on Trayvon than a lot of than okay. a lot of people were. I think I probably still would have had Trayvon at least RB three, but like no higher than that because I like Jalen Wright from Tennessee. I think he's got right. explosive speed. Um, the vision is still kind of a work in progress, but he's light on experience, so that's understandable. He's one hell of a, of a pass protector. He's the best pass-protecting running back in this draft, no question about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, he he kind of gives you that long speed that a lot of the other guys in this class just don't have. So I would say that Brooks would still be my RB1. I'd probably have Jalen Wright as RB2. And then Travion, now that I've seen a lot more of these guys, even for as much as he was kind of disappointing to me yeah. compared to the hype... I think he would have likely come in at, like, RB3, RB4 for me. Dude, he was RB6 in my college rankings. So, it's, like, that's
0: it's, Damn. It's stupid, dude. It's stu- I'm telling you right now. I think right now that is the best position in college football next year is running back. It is do stupid. You have
1: the, who do you have, who's the five ahead of him? Just so uh, I can learn names. Well Todd, it, th- I don't I don't get to do that very often on shows. Like normally I'm the person who's like bringing names <laughs> to the table and now you're tell I know that you're the expert of kind of like what's coming next because you follow college
0: football. Oh uh, so. uh, Marion Hampton, he led the nation in yards after contact. He was number three from I oh yeah, Ollie one, Judkins two, Jaden Ott from Cal, he's nasty too. I had him four. Um, and then Taj Brooks could have been in this year's draft. So you probably watched him yes. a little bit. The Texas Tech back, yeah. He's okay. a, the 230-pound monster, yeah. He's, he's a tank. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's yes. a tank. Okay. All, All right, right. So, now
1: I know the names. This and
0: good. dude, Donovan this is Edwards is, is coming back too. Like Just like so many guys that just, you know. I know. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, all right, this position will be fun because I think this one we're going to have to go deep for. Uh, it is wide receiver. Marvin Harrison Jr., you have number two overall. Funnily enough, so your RB1 of the last two years has been Texas. Wide receiver one in the last two years has been Ohio State. And tight end one for your last two years has uh, also been the same school. But for wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., Jackson Smith and Jigbo last year was your number one receiver, and Jameson Williams the year before. I would guess that Marvin Harrison Jr. would be number one out of all three of those names. So how far are we going back? Are we going back to... Was Jamar Chase better, Sammy Watkins, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, maybe even Calvin Johnson in 07? Like, how far are we talking here for MHJ?
1: It's very hard to find holes in Marvin Harrison Jr.'s game. I was having this conversation with Steve Palazzolo this morning, actually, and wide receiver is an interesting position because for as much as Marvin Harrison Jr. is extremely well-rounded and Mm -hmm. well above average at basically everything – Xavier Worthy's faster than him. Yeah. Keon Coleman's stronger than him. Ladd McConkey's quicker than him. Right. And so like you can name all of these other wide receivers who maybe in one area might be better than him, but I still think the well-roundedness and just how high the floor is for Marvin Harrison Jr. I'd, I, I would have liked him better than Jack Smith and Jay, but for sure. Yeah. Better than Jameson Williams. Um I think I ended up having Jalen Waddle as wide receiver one in 2021. Wow. Okay. I I, I would have, and they were right there. Like I thought Waddle and chase were, were Mm -hmm. right there. Um, so I would have had Marvin Harrison in, in 2021. He would have been wide receiver one, 2022, uh, over Jefferson and CD lamb and, and and Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. 2019 would have been wide receiver one, 2018, 2017, 2016, (laughs) easily 2015, I think, yeah, he would have been wide receiver one. Although, like, when Amari Cooper was coming out of college, there's a reason why he went fourth overall. Yeah, Everybody just thought he was so uncoverable. So, that's the Cooper. It's a conversation with what Amari Cooper was coming out of school. God, 2014 was loaded, but. Sammy Watkins. Sammy
0: Watkins at Clemson was nasty. I think Marvin might beat him out, though. But it's not just
1: Sammy. Like, Mike Evans goes seven. Odell goes 12. Yeah, that's true. Devontae Adams goes 53 in that draft by the way. <laughs> that one's tough. The 2014 group's unbelievably talented, obviously future all-pros basically everywhere you look. He would have been wide receiver one in 2013. Mm-hmm. 2012. Although Justin Blackman was I mean Dude, what he was Blackman Blackwell was, was oh his, my god, was just insane. Yeah. And then I think you get to 2011. So, for Marvin Harrison Jr. He's basically wide receiver one in every year other than maybe not 2014, and mm-hmm. then you get to 2011 with Julio Jones and A.J. Green, and I think that's probably where the conversation stops. So an okay. easy an easy decade of him being the wide receiver one in basically every other draft class. Dude, yeah, yeah Marvin Harrison Jr. is special,
0: man, and so is this next guy who I, I already wrote about saying he's the greatest tight end ever in college football history. Um, I'm not too much of a draft guy like you, but I would argue he might be the best tight end in college football history. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what you think about Brock Bowers here. So you have him number six overall. Again, mm-hmm. same school last year too. Darnell Washington, you had your number one tight end, 16th overall, and Trey McBride the year before at 53 overall. Um, so the, I think the question really becomes him, Kyle Pitts, and maybe if he's better than Kyle Pitts, maybe Vernon Davis in '06, Kellen Winslow in '04. Is yeah. Brock Bowers is he the goat college? Is he the goat NFL draft tight end prospect? So
1: I'm gonna say no, but only because he's just he's smaller than a lot of other tight ends. And that's okay mm-hmm. because in today's era, he's a tight end, but he's really like a move tight end. You know, he can play on the line of scrimmage, sure, and I think he can hold up well as a blocker, but you know, he plays a lot as a wing back, he'll play in the slot, he could play on the outside, so he's more of just kind of like a move tight end and a flexible tight end than like a true traditional I mean he's gonna show up at the combine and I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be around six foot three. Yeah. And I think I think he's gonna I mean he better weigh in between two hundred and forty and two hundred and forty five pounds because if he weighs less than two forty, you're extremely low percentile for the tight yeah. end position. I mean six three is already small for the tight end position. It's just massive dudes. So I just say that to kind of give context to all of it because I think Kyle Pitts was regarded and will be regarded as a better prospect coming out than Brock Bowers. He okay. goes number four overall, so he's still within that conversation. But you know, you start scrolling 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017, which was an interesting class with O.J. Howard and Evan Ingram and right. Joku. But I think Bowers is was more productive and would have been tight end one, no question, over all of them. 16, 15, Fourteen. Eric Ebron was interesting because he—I mean—he was good enough to go ten overall. But
0: you're in a four-three, right? At the combine, wasn't that like his big thing? He was crazy. Actually, it was like a
1: four. F- it might have been a four-four. But I, I remember his forty was like unbelievable for a tight There's no end. No way, is a four-three? I'm gonna lose my. No, 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 no. Okay, so okay, here. So listen, he's six foot four, two hundred fifty pounds. Uh uh-huh. Both of those numbers for the tight end bigger than Brock Bowers. They're both the 38th percentile, so they're yeah. well below the 50th percentile. And he's he is significantly bigger, I think, than Brock Bowers was. He ran a four six flat, which oh, I was okay. way off
0: then. Gee, okay, never mind.
1: You okay? You were way off, but listen, four six flat is the 88th percentile <laughs> for tight ends. Yeah, so it's still like that. The reason why you have that memory of him running a crazy fast forty is because for a tight end, he did run right. a crazy fast forty. But I think you pick Brock Bowers over him. Um 13 was Eifert over him, 12 was Fleener over him, Kyle Rudolph over him. You know, t- 2010 is kind of interesting because it's like Jermaine Gresham tight end one in that class mm-hmm. off the board, but Rob Gronkowski goes 42nd off Yeah, right. <laughs> end of all time. And then later in that class, you had Jimmy Graham go 95. So uh, I think it's something probably around there. Y- you've got to go back to at least 2010, if not before, to find a uh, – Prospect that it was as highly regarded as Brock Bowers is outside of Kyle Pitts. Okay, outside of
0: Kyle Pitts, I'm I, I'm a huge Brock Bowers guy, man. So I I still think he I, I think he's a goat college tight end. But you're you're you know better than me for prospect wise. But man, I, I think Bowers man, like a George Kittle something like that. He's gonna be a monster. I, I I'm of the belief, and I know you you might not subscribe to it, but I'm of the belief that Jim Harbaugh should take him number five overall, and just cook from there.
1: If he thinks that Bowers. Holds up well enough on the line of scrimmage. I think that he, w- I think that he definitely could do that because he loves to get tight ends involved. Yeah, but if he, do- the, the 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 issue becomes if you don't think he's going to ho- hold up well enough on the line of scrimmage to be a true every situation tight end, then do you just take Malik take- neighbors, neighbors or Roman right. Dunze? Yeah. Like at that point, if you don't believe that he's like a full time in line player, uh, and he's more of a receiver are you just going to draft a receiver instead? Like yeah. So that's, I think, the conversation that you have. But Bowers, to me, is within that conversation, which puts him in the same area as Kyle Pitts. But I do think Pitts, when he was coming out, was translation wise to the nfl regarded higher than brock bowers just because there's a little bit of concern over the size that's fair that's fair all right this next position i actually
0: think is pretty interesting too which is offensive tackle when talking about the best since whenever so joe alt yeah. right now you're number one at five overall peter skaranski year before also at five overall charles cross uh in 2022 for mississippi state at number three overall uh, is Joe Alt the best out of those three guys? And then if, if he is, um, is he better than a guy like maybe Panay Sewell in 2021? Or is that kind of where the conversation stops for uh, for Joe Alt?
1: I think that that's probably where it stops is that 2021 year. I wouldn't sit here and call Joe Alt generational, but I think he's a really damn good prospect. We've had some good offensive linemen come through over the last couple of years. And that 2022 class, I know Aki didn't have a great year uh, this past year. Evan Neal certainly did not have a great year. And Charles Cross has been little up and down. He's been Mm -hmm. good enough to be a starter, obviously, and I think he's been fine. I think they made a good investment with him, but you're taking Joe Walt, I think, over all of those guys even pre-draft for as much as we like them. Sewell is to me, where if we're playing this game as true as it's supposed to be, that's where it stops, because I would have had Penny Sewell above Joe Walt, because he's just rare power, rare movement skills, and I think you saw that this past year. He was one of the best offensive tackles, if not the best offensive tackle in the NFL in 2023. So that, to me, is is where that conversation ends. And, you know, all, I wonder where he would have stacked up in that 2020 class. Because that 2020 class had, had Andrew Thomas, mm-hmm. it had Tristan Wirfs, it had Mikay Beckton, it had Jedrick Wills. All could have been OT1 in that for some people. But, yeah, I think he's probably in the mix a little bit there, so... Again, it's, for the sake of the game, it's not a generational thing. But I think you go back to twenty twenty one and you say Penny Sewell was better than him.
0: Well, based off many analysts' definition of generational, he is because it's three years. So yeah,
1: correct. Yeah. right. Of course, of course. <laughs> three generations. Three years. Every generations. Year, everyone yeah.
0: knows for, for NFL drafts. So yeah, Joe Altman. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, he's special, honestly. But I agree with you. I remember that Penny Sewell. I mean, there, people made YouTube highlight videos of Penae Sewell. That was like the first time I've ever seen a YouTube <laughs> highlight video of an offensive of lineman. Like that's how special this guy was, man.
1: And it probably and it probably clicked well. You
0: I do it. It, so it got, got like millions of views, views, man. Yeah, absolutely. And even you mentioned it. If you're, you know, being talked about in the same vein even as Panay Sewell, who's that who's actually PFS highest graded tackle this year, uh, you're you're doing something right. So all right, so Joel, twenty twenty one, the answer is Panay Sewell. Uh Jackson Powers Johnson is your number one interior offensive lineman here at number twenty two overall. Uh and Steve Avila the year before was your number one, the guard from TCU at forty one overall. Tyler Linderbaum, at the center from Iowa at twenty overall in twenty twenty two. Um, I don't believe J.P.J. Uh, was better than Tyler Linderbaum. I remember he almost broke the PFF grading scale Linderbaum did in his last couple of years. Uh, yeah. But what do you think about this uh, interior offensive lineman from Oregon and, and where he stacks up, basically yeah. all the time?
1: I, I like I like um, Jackson Powers Johnson. I really do. But you know, if if you also want to go back to last year and since. Skoronsky got moved to interior immediately. Fair. Yeah. I would I would take Skoronsky over over Jackson Powers Johnson, uh, and I'd also take Tyler Linderbaum over Jackson yeah. Powers Johnson. So, uh, to, again, for the sake of the exercise of what we're doing, it not a Quentin Nelson type player, right? Not right. somebody who's like, whoa, we got this dude. Just does not come around very often. Good football player, starting football player, could be a could be a Pro Bowler potentially. But there have been other interior offensive linemen, even as recent as last year in in peter Skaronsky that i would have taken over jpj that's fair that's fair jpj though i mean great senior ball. i know you
0: were there and i mean yeah unbelievable tape this past year i mean i think he led the nation in pass blocking and run blocking grade for centers which is just stupid so
1: really yeah. good football player no question about it but there have been some good interior offensive linemen that have come through over the last couple of years right
0: you, you think JPJ's a lock for the first round at this point
1: Yeah, so the only reason why I have any sort of hesitation about it is because I've talked to some people who have told me he might have some previous injuries that might be still kind of like lingering around that might get flagged at the combine. Now, now, this person was even saying, like, I I don't know really how severe it is. This is kind of just what they've been told. If it's something that's severe enough to where they go, yeah, that was still flagged at the combine, maybe you don't take him in the first round. But from what we saw this past year on tape and what we saw at the Senior Bowl... Uh, performance alone yeah this dude's a first rounder all right fair all right so
0: move over to the defensive side of the ball don't know if we'll have too many generational uh conversations here but for d tackle drazon Noon, my guy number 10 overall from illinois uh jalen carter the year before at number four overall devontae wyatt from georgia uh number 10 overall in 2022 so drazon Noon, i don't think you would say was better than jalen carter but would you say he's been one of the better
1: dt ones that we've had in recent memory well he's great and honestly i i i Feel bad because I should have uh, warned you about this. This is a little bit dated. I'd actually have Byron Murphy as my interior defensive lineman number one now. Wow. Okay. And I and I like Jerzon Newton still. He is still, I think, a late first, early second round type of interior defensive lineman. But Murphy, I think, is going to put on an absolute show at the combine. Yeah. And he is a monster against the run. And he is still figuring it out, has some really impressive flashes when it comes to pass rushing. The hand usage, I mean, the hands are heavy, fast, violent. He's got a great first step for one-gap penetration. He is excellent at holding up against double teams. I mean, this dude just, him and Chris Jenkins Jr., I mean, like, they barely move an inch, man. And that's talking about being a little bit lighter in size. I wonder if he's going to put on a little bit more weight even. Murphy, that is, and play a little bit closer to 310. And if he does, man, just the strength is going to be crazy. So I'd actually have Murphy as DT1 in this class, but I think the conversation is still the same. Neither of those guys are anywhere near <laughs> no. the type of prospect that Jalen Carter was last year. You even go the year before. I had Devontae Wyatt because I like Devontae Wyatt a lot, and I was a little bit worried about Jordan Davis. But Jordan Davis, for the caliber athlete he was at his size, is is pretty unbelievable. So if you put him... As that uh, as that DT one in that class, you're probably you're probably taking Jordan Davis over Byron Murphy the second, just because he's he's just it's insanely rare what he does at his size. But mm-hmm. you know, if if I'm taking Byron Murphy, I'm stacking him against the 2021 one class. I'm taking him over Christian Barmore, who was the first one taken. Um, Man, Derek Brown goes is the first interior defensive lineman in 2020. I think that's a conversation right there. I think both of those guys as prospects were right there. Interesting. And then Quinn Quinn Williams at 2019. You're taking Quinn in over over, right. uh, over Byron and Jerzon for sure.
0: So how so Gerzon was number 10 on your big board. Do you know where like where Byron will be on your big board? Will he be in the top 10 range or be like top 15 or?
1: Yeah, he'll be. I don't know where his final grade is going to be for me because I'm updating the board this weekend as we are getting close to the release of the PFF mm. draft guide. um I think to be safe, I'll say I i, I got to believe he's going to be top 15, but he might be around that 10 area as well. Yeah, I forgot to shout it out the PFF draft guide. I think coming out combine week, right? Let's go, baby,
0: dude! It's a plan oh, right now. It's I... a lot,
1: dude. We have we have, i there are so many people behind the scenes who I'm doing a lot of the analysis for it, but. There's so many people behind the scenes who are working on the graphics and the editing and getting everything together who are working so, so hard to make that happen. So it's definitely just not a me thing shouting out them as well. So they're kind of going through that as well. But we are hoping that at the beginning of Combine Week, we get to fire off the links for that bad boy dude i,
0: I think the pff draft guide's the best thing we put out every year man so i i cannot wait for this year's copy make sure you get it at pff.com when it drops because it's going to be special but uh go to the edge class i hope your edge one is still the same because i feel like everyone's edge one changes every single week uh in this class but right now according to the pff big board right now you have dallas turner at number 14 overall uh again last year another alabama edge at number one was will anderson jr at number three overall Kayvon Thibodeau, number two overall from oregon in 2022 so Um, First of all, is Dallas Turner still your edge one? And do you think this is maybe one of the weaker edge ones that we've had probably in recent memory? Even though it's a really good edge class overall, the depth is really good. But do you think the top end talent maybe is just lacking that we've had in recent years?
1: Yeah, who did I have as edge one last year? Oh, it's it's well, yeah, okay, okay. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at drafthistory.com, and uh, I'm looking at defensive ends. Oh, they, they had linebacker for Will Anderson Jr. Yeah, yeah, they got linebacker for Will Anderson. So I'm looking at this like the first defensive end technically that was off the board was Tyree Wilson, and then it was Lucas Van Ness- and I was like, Lord knows I didn't have those guys as Edge <laughs> 1 last year because I was not high on either of them. I gave, I think, Lucas Van Ness' a second-round grade. I gave Tyree Wilson, like, a late second, early third. Mm-hmm. He went seventh, which is wild to me. But um, I don't know if I want to say that it's, that it's weaker. There's just a little bit it's not as proven as probably what i'll say okay you know i think it's a conversation between dallas turner between jared verse and between layout latu for who might be the most productive edge rusher from this group but all of them have something that's, that's holding them back a little bit you know with verse love his power profile super powerful dude really dense bull rush is fantastic bases everything around that bull rush and he can really get after the passer and hold the line of scrimmage but the finesse part of his game is still kind of a work in progress and you wonder okay is it ever going to be something that's a really really a calling card of his game? Turner, I love the progress for him. The previous year, I felt like all he could really do was a speed rush and a long arm. And this year, he's got the speed rush and the long arm, but that's just where his pass rush plan begins. Put on a little extra weight. He got stronger. I think the pressure numbers were really good for him. And so I think he's a good player. He's just still kind of figuring it out. And then Latu, I mean, you, you know, you've seen the grades. Dude. Like a 96.4 pass rush grade over the last two years. <laughs> Over 23.4% win percentage as a pass rusher. He's nuts. But the problem is, his arm length is like 13th percentile, and he's going to test like a below 50th percentile athlete in basically all the athletic categories. So the NFL is not going to draft him very high. All that to say, I certainly wouldn't take any of these guys over Will Anderson. Mm -hmm. 2022 is interesting because, you know, I, I had Kayvon as edge- as as my number two overall guy in that class. But Kayvon and Dallas Turner, very similar. So I actually think it's kind of a similar conversation between the two of those guys, despite me having Dallas Turner a little bit outside of my top 10 and having Kayvon all the way up at number two. 2021, Jalen Phillips, I think was my edge one. He ends up being the first edge rusher off the board. I probably would have had Dallas Turner over Phillips just because of the injury history. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the previous year was Chase Young. I mean, I wasn't going to have Chase yeah. Young that year. So yeah, it's an interesting conversation the way you look at it there. But uh, I don't want to say it's one of the weaker groups. It's just not as proven, right, as it has been in years past. I think that's fair. And
0: yeah, I mentioned that Liotta's a lot too great. I actually saw he has the highest graded season we've ever seen by a Power Five player ever. Uh, Blake Corum last year 96.2, and then Kyle Pitts, Chase Young, and Quinnen Williams at a 96th grade. And Latu is 96.3 this year, so insane, dude. He, he got slept on. I, he deserved a lot more awards than he got. Uh, I know you actually, you talked to him right at the senior, bowl. He seemed like a cool guy, right?
1: Dude, he's awesome. He, he was great. You know, I got to chat with him because he was sitting out that third day. Um, i would i kind of went up to him i was just like hey man you good like i need you to be good i need you to have not done anything out there and he's like no no no, i'm fine he's like somebody kind of ran into my leg a little weird and my quads kind of sore today so i'm not i'm just not trying to push it which makes a lot of sense yeah. obviously you don't want to get hurt or push it there plus he was so dominant the first two days anyways but yeah he talked to me about yeah i asked him about the injury with the neck and everything and i i, I mean i asked him straight up i was like did you actually think that your career was over when mm-hmm. Washington medically retired you? And he's like, no, like not for a second. Wow. And he, I was like, what happened there? And he's like, well, it's like, I, I I took a hit weird. And obviously, you know, it was something with my neck just wasn't right. And I ended up getting looked at by the doctors and they kind of came back to me and they're like, all right, we're going to medically retire you. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What you, he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, we, I mean, we got a press conference for it tomorrow. Uh, we don't think that you can play anymore, like all this. And he's like, oh, Okay. So he takes the year off, but the whole time he was like still training. He he ended up getting the surgery uh-huh. on his neck, and then the surgeon who actually who operated on him was UCLA's preferred surgeon. So it was an easy connection oh, there because okay. they trusted they trusted him that he got the surgery done well. And uh, I got a, a good buddy of mine who works at UCLA, and I asked him about Latu, and he's like. We don't limit him at all. He's like, yeah, it's going to show up on combine, evals, just because he's had work done. But he's like, we don't limit him at all during practice, during games, during anything. And so it's been two years of him fully healthy. And so I, he's just a passer specialist, man. The way that he approaches the game is so cerebral, and that's going to play at the NFL level.
0: Do you think if if Washington still had Latu, Latu, Braylon Trice coming off that edge, do they win the national championship over Michigan? Probably not, right? It was kind kind of a blowout, but still, man. That's, like, the best edge duo I can remember in in a long time, honestly.
1: I don't know about national championship, but, (laughs) I mean, he'd certainly help for sure. Dude, watching his tape, it, it... Looks like
0: a guy who was medically retired, and I mean that in the best way possible. It was like that game was taken away from him, you know, and like he so he's very clearly worked his ass off to um, never have that happen again, and like he wants to be the best player possible now because, like you said, I mean, he, he the game was almost taken away from him for good. So he he very clearly works his ass off now. So yeah, and
1: well, that was and that was the way that he approached it too when he talked with me about. He said he watched so much TJ Watt and Max Crosby yeah. tape like while he was not able to play and. There's no question he hit the ground running when he got to UCLA. So, um, yeah, I, I think that he is one of the best pass rushers in the country. Again, I think the measurables, the the NFL just always gets a little bit freaked out when you're a little bit smaller, a little bit slower, because it is a big person's game. It's a fast person's game. So, you know, anytime you put those into question, the NFL doesn't love it.
0: Yeah. Well, let's move on to uh, linebacker class now. This one uh, is going to be interesting to see because Edron Cooper is your LB1, 62 overall. Last year, you had Drew Sanders from Arkansas, 28 overall. And the year before, Devin Lloyd from Utah, number 22 overall. So um, it's actually pretty rare to have an NFL draft where a linebacker doesn't go in the first round. So I guess the better question to ask you rather than the whole generational thing is, um, how does this class stack up? Is, is this one of the weaker linebacker classes we've had in recent memory?
1: Yeah, but if, I mean, yeah, it kind of feels that way. So again, from more recent tape dives and getting into more of our analytics and and just taking a look at more tape on these players, I think Peyton Wilson's LB one in this class. Interesting. And okay, I actually don't think it's close. Like I think he's I th- I think he's the best linebacker in this class. The issue is that he's got. <laughs> He tore his. I think he had a knee injury in high school his senior year. Mm-hmm. He tore his ACL his first year at NC State. In 2021, he missed this se- big portion of the season because he had a dislocated shoulder and a torn labrum. And it's like, dude, you play a position that's so physical, it's really hard to draft that. But Edron Cooper would be my LB2 in this class. And so both of those guys, because of the injury history of Wilson and because Cooper is super athletic but – He's just more of a downhill linebacker right, right now. He's kind of like of that Devin White mold, and I know Devin White went five overall, but he shouldn't have. I mean, just straight up. Yeah. You get into you get into the conversation where I don't think linebackers going to get picked until the second round. So, I I guess to your point, like it, it it is one of the weaker points in this class, and it's I guess it's one of the weaker points overall because I'm trying. Like I I'd have I'd have Jack Campbell above both of those guys pretty easily from last year's draft mm-hmm. um, Drew Sanders I, think I like I, I like Peyton Wilson more than I like Drew Sanders so he would have been above Drew Sanders but I, I, I'd have Campbell above both of those guys Quay Walker, Devin Lloyd, I'd, I'd, I'd have at least had Devin Lloyd over yeah. Peyton Wilson maybe Quay Walker I think he's probably in that conversation, Quay Walker's rise like, during the latter half of draft season was kind of crazy to me 2021. That was Micah. Ooh, okay. Micah wasn't really a linebacker. Though. No, so it would like I mean, I mean, He's right? an edge, and like Collins in that class, Jamin Davis in that class. So like, it's it's tricky, right? Because both of those guys go first round. Jeremiah Uso-Koromoa goes in the second. I'd have had JOK above. Dude, I love JOK at No, so did I. So did I. And I think I thought Jamie I thought the Jamin Davis love was crazy. Way, it was all combine, really. Yeah, super great athlete, but. I, I maybe we do end up having the same conversation about Edron Cooper. Like maybe Edron Cooper does get talked about with some of these crazy athletic linebackers that ended up going in the first round that maybe should not have, right? I mean, you look yeah. at Kenneth Murray as well. Um, Patrick Queen was like this. So obviously Devin White goes number five overall for a reason. Kind of going on a tangent now, but I would have had Jack Campbell over the two guys that have his number one in this class, but I'd have Peyton Wilson at one, and I'd have Edwin Cooper at number two.
0: All right fair enough Uh, the cornerback class is pretty interesting too Uh, there's obviously a lot of different names people have at cb1 right now you have cooper dejean the iowa corner eight overall on your big board devin witherspoon the year before was six overall and then Derek stingley jr yet number one overall in that 2022 class which i love uh so dejean obviously a really really talented corner great tape super athlete too uh where do you think he stacks up and where do you think maybe other corners stack up um when you look at recent memory
1: yeah, I I like this corner class a lot. Um, Tarion Arnold's in this class. on right. Mitchell's in this class. Um, Cooley McKintry's in this class. Nate Wiggins is in this class. Really good corners. But I think Devon Witherspoon would still be my CV1 if he were to be in this year's group. Then Christian Gonzalez would kind of be in that conversation near the top. But I think I'd have at least Devon because I loved Witherspoon last year. Oh, dude, yeah. Stingley, obviously, I had him number one overall in in twenty twenty two. I thought he was phenomenal going back to his freshman year at LSU. So I would have had Stingley even above. Sauce
0: too, right? Probably over him. Would you say even Sauce Gardner too? Probably over all these guys too.
1: Yeah, probably. I probably would have had Sauce above all of these guys, which is really saying something because again, I think this class is really good. And <laughs> then man, twenty twenty one, J C Horn, Patrick Sertan, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I actually had I think I actually had Caleb Farley as C B one in that class no. just because I did not pay attention to the injury history for him. But oh. I mean JC Horn and Patrick Certan, you could have easily said would be C B one in this group as well. Uh Jeff Akuda I liked. I wasn't the highest on Akuda. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's probably a conversation there going back to the 2020 group. That's the first time you might be able to say these guys are. Uh, yeah, these guys, that, that that he would be or those guys would be over CB one in a different class. But man, we've had some. Just looking at it now, we've had some good cornerback classes Dude. over the last couple of years, which is needed because as the wide receivers get better and more versatile, you got to have defensive backs to uh to get in front of them and to cover them. So I I think that this group is really nice. I like the cornerback class, but we've had some special dudes at the very top over the last couple of years
0: the one I'm looking at right now that I think definitely there'd be multiple guys that'd be the CB1 is 2019 the first corner off the board was DeAndre Baker at 30 overall I don't know yeah. if we'll ever get an NFL draft again where there's a the first corner
1: is taken at 30 overall like no, that's crazy no we won't that would be that would be crazy I think we would have degene mm-hmm. Arnold Mitchell Wiggins mckinstry at least five over <laughs> yeah. baker and yeah i mean even that you're you're getting into conversations of like tj tampa's after that right yeah i think he, rake straw could, right use, he, yeah oh rake straw from missouri i think you could make an argument for over baker so yikes that 20 yikes is there anybody from that 20 like even later not that I saw. Byron um, Murphy's
0: all right. Byron Murphy's pretty decent. Yeah, I liked him a lot at Washington. Um, yeah, man. Rocky seen, Uh No man, this is yeah, this is pretty rough. Honestly, there's
1: some safeties in that class that were okay, but
0: yeah. Oh, Jamel Dean. Jamel Dean was a third rounder that year. That's pretty. All right. That's Jam- good.
1: Jamel Dean. Jam- Jamel Dean's good.
0: Yeah. Jamel Dean's. Good. That's pre- that's pretty good. Okay, so that's not. There's at least one solid corner in that uh, in that class, but mm-hmm. uh, so. Rounding it out with the safeties now. So Tyler Newbin is your safety one at fifty overall. Brian Branch uh, last year was your number one safety at 18th overall, and then Kyle Hamilton, who I remember people talking about him as a generational prospect at four overall uh, in 2022. So obviously Newbin well below Branch and Hamilton uh, on your big board. So do you th- like again like linebacker? Is this like a, a safety class that you know teams might be punting on this year, or, or what do you think about it? It kind of feels like it is.
1: You know, it's a little unfair to stack Newbin up against Brian Branch cuz Branch I always felt like was more of just like a slot defender type right. of a player and Newbin is more of a true safety. Kyle Hamilton's like <laughs> kind of the same way like Hamilton's just an alien. Mm-hmm. So for actual safeties that Newbin would go up against, who... By the way, I like Newman. I think Newman's getting slept on a little bit. We, we, a lot of people are just like, oh, this safety class is, is cheeks. Like, it's not very good. Like, you don't need to be drafted. One. I gave Newbin a late first, early second round grade. Like, I think he's good. You know, like, uh, for example... I like that. The Packers. The Packers need a safety. Mm-hmm. Or they couldn't need a safety real bad after free agency. If the Packers pick Tyler Newman at 25, I'd go, all right, okay. It's like the beginning of his range, but I, I, I really wouldn't hate it just to let you guys know that it's not like this safety class is is just terrible. I think that Newman can absolutely play, but who was the first like true safety off the board last year? Um, is looking right now, is Brown the first? I think
0: it's, I think it's Sidney Brown.
1: Yeah. So I would take I like Sidney Brown, but I I'd, I'd take Tyler Newman over Sidney Brown. Yeah. Um, and then the year before, if you take Hamilton out. Is Daxon Hill? It might be Lewis. Scene. Daxon Hill is kind of a hybrid. I remember. I was but. gonna say like Dax Hill is sort of like a safety, but I did like Dax Hill a lot. I think it had Dax Hill like sixteenth overall. So,
0: I mean, Lewis Scene might be the first I, like true safety.
1: Who would Lewis Scene? Maybe. Would you? Yeah, take? I like Newbin more than I like Scene. Mm-hmm. I like Newbin more than I like Petrie. Yeah, I I I, I would have liked Newbin near the top of the bunch of the twenty twenty two group. 2021. Javon Holland. I love Javon Holland, dude. Oh yeah, Javon Holland oh, was good. Yeah. I think I had Trayvon Merrick as my top safety in that group. Because I thought that Merrick could play single high. Mm-hmm. Man, I'd have Newbin right there in that conversation with those guys. Rob, I'd, Z- I'd, I'd Xavier Holland McKinney. Probably a little bit higher, but Xavier
0: McKinney in twenty twenty. Would you have Newbin above him? I don't like
1: McKinney. I like McKinney a good amount. Gelbets in that class too. Oh, Winfield was in that class.
0: Oh, Winfield's nasty. Another Minnesota guy.
1: I know. And Newbin had Newbin waited his turn, kind of behind Winfield for a mm-hmm. little bit when he first got there. Yeah. No, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have him above McKinney or Winfield when they were coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then I would absolutely, a hundred percent, have him. As safety one in twenty nineteen,
0: you would. There's two first round safeties right there: Darnell Savage, Jonathan Abram. Two absolute yeah, but studs. Abram was
1: Abram was way too boom robust for me. Like when he was coming out, yeah, I thought him. I thought him getting drafted at twenty seven was a way over drafted. Yeah, and then Savage. I like Savage. That was kind of a I weird. Want, pick I don't too, want to revisit, revisit, re-vis- I can't talk to revisionist. I don't want. I don't want to look to you know I don't want to look too uh, hindsight with this one. There we go. I found a different word. <laughs> so maybe we maybe we do say that uh, Savage would have been in that same conversation with Newbin. I just feel like Newbin's getting way too slept on.
0: Yeah, He's getting way too slept on. So I don't want to. I'm not going to ask you kickers and punters or anything like that. So I, I guess the best way to round this out, Trevor, who are the the prospects in this draft that truly deserve the quote unquote generational label?
1: Um, I mean, there's probably only one, right? Well, there's two if you want to throw Brock Bowers into it, right? If you believe that Brock Bowers is just a unique one-of-one for his position, I think that it's fair to throw his name in there. But then Marvin Harrison Jr. is the other one, who I just think is is, in an exercise like the NFL draft where It's just a game of risk. That's all you're doing. You're playing a game of risk. The level of a sure thing that it feels like Marvin Harrison Jr. is feels a little unfair. Mm -hmm. Like, it just feels like you're drafting this guy, and as long as he is healthy, he is a multiple all-pro for you at some point throughout his career. He's got many 1,000-yard seasons. He's a difference maker in the postseason for you. And you just— you. For as much as we all like to say those things out loud when projecting what these guys are, it's way more risky and way less guaranteed than we make it out to be. But with Harrison, the reason why I'd say that he could be quote-unquote generational, despite there being a lot of great wide receivers out there, is because of the floor and how high that is for him as a prospect. So I would say that I would say that there's two. I, you know, Caleb could obviously be special, but yeah. I'm not going to sit here and and, and say that he's generational when we're, we're literally in the era of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not allowed to do that. I cannot do that. <laughs> uh so I, I can't throw him out there but i will say marvin harrison jr and brock bowers are the potential generational type guys that we've got
0: I, I love it dude so i asked Tre- him Bay trey trevor sykema joining the podcast Trevor, i really appreciate taking time out man and filling in for dalton wasman as he uh drinks his face off in new orleans down there man
1: i appreciate you having me man it's uh it, i feel like it's been a long time coming for us to link up so i appreciate it
0: of course man so obviously you host nfl stock exchange you got the draft guy coming out right now so what what can we expect i'm a diehard sex addict of NFL Stock Exchange. What do, what can we expect from NFLSC over the next few weeks as we get into the combine and stuff like that?
1: No, it's it's going to be fun. Um, obviously, like this is a super busy time of year with us going to the combine. It, it's it's kind of like travel season right now. We're at the tail end of travel season for the draft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Salfaro and I were at Shrine Bowl. We were at Senior Bowl. We were at Super Bowl week uh, with with a bunch of the other guys from PFF, and now we've got Indianapolis coming up in in a week or so, and Indy is, to me, the best of all of those events. It really is. Like that That's the time when you get to talk to a lot of people about what the league is really thinking. You get a good look at what's about to happen in free agency. And then from March to April, man, we're going to have so many of our final position rankings, our final mock drafts, uh, what we think these teams are going to do. Obviously, heavy reaction to what's going to happen in free agency and mm-hmm. how that's going to change the NFL draft landscape. I feel like we're going to have a major trade here happen over the next couple of weeks for one of those super desperate teams trying to get up because Indianapolis and the Combine are often where a lot of these deals get done. Yep. I feel like we're going to see that happen over the next couple of weeks too, man. So yeah, uh, we're covering it all in the NFL Stock Exchange channel and I uh, appreciate you and, and everybody else listening to it. Of course, man. So yeah, that's
0: Trevor Sycamore, PFS lead draft analyst, co-host of NFL Stock Exchange, what I think is, is the best NFL draft podcast out there right now. So for producer Eli, for Trevor Sycamore, I'm Max Chadwick. We'll see you guys next time.